Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Athletic. It's straight out of Cobham, a show about Chelsea FC from The Athletic. Today, stalemate in the cup, Blues head to Merseyside, Lauren James, that's it, that's the sub-headline, and the rest of the Chelsea news rounded up. Available for free wherever you get your podcasts and ad-free on The Athletic. This is straight out of Cobham. Good Monday to you, listener. Hope you're doing okay. It's me, Matt Davis-Adams. I'm here to talk about all things Chelsea. I've got Simon Johnson alongside me. Hello, Simon. Hello. I love a replay, Matt. I love a replay and uh, it's a chance for Chelsea to work on their waveform. Absolutely. Love that positivity. And on behalf of the freelance football broadcasting community, I can say that I also love a replay. Um, Liam Toomey is sort of with us, albeit with issues. Namely, there's no power in his house. So we're going to try and have Liam on the pod. But if he drops off at any point, then you'll know why. Liam, are you there? I'm here. I have no digital means of communicating with the outside world. (laughs) All right. It's sort of like you're sending a report from the 1942 Olympics or something, but we'll see if this is sustainable. I feel like I'm in the film Apollo 13 or something. (laughs) (laughs) What a time then to debut a new feature. But we're going to try it anyway. This is something that I came up with that has been approved by Lucy. We're going to float it for a couple of weeks, see if it works. The working title is Rash Conclusions. So it's basically something that's happened in the world of Chelsea since we last spoke that you've got a hot take slash rash conclusion on. Simon, what have you got for me? Petrovic has to be number one for the rest of the season. I think that's not a bad shout. He's got four clean sheets in 10 games. Robert Sanchez has got five in 19, I do believe. So if you're going off numbers, the kid who was playing for New England Revolution just a few months ago might well be your number one slash number 28, which is, I think, his squad number. Um, Liam, have you got a rash conclusion for me? Paul Palmer might be the best player I've ever seen. That's it. No, he might be the best player I've ever seen at getting opposing players to pass the ball to him in the penalty area. <laughs> I like that, yeah. But um, he doesn't need to be that clinical at converting said chances. We'll talk more about that later. And mine is not related to Chelsea. It is that Ollie Watkins will not make the England Euro squad. I think he had just slightly more touches than I did in the game on Friday night. He's got one goal in his last nine matches and none in his last six. And I think somebody's going to pinch his place. All right, that is Rash Conclusions slash Hot Takes. If you've got a better name for it, at SO Cobham Pod on X, formerly known as Twitter, do get in touch. Well, we're plugging stuff. Give us a nice review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your pods. All helps the show out. And if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, the best way that you can do that is go to theathletic.com slash Chelsea Pod. And then we will get some kudos from our bosses for it. All right, let's delve a little deeper into Friday's Fair next. 
Done very well to keep his feet there, Ollie Watkins and Matty Cash has a side of goal now. Chilwell's the defender, brilliant shot but a really good save. Jordi Petrovic keeps this FA Cup tie at 0-0. Overall, I think I am so pleased with the performance. I think the performance is really good and I need to congratulate the player because tough game, again, a very good team and, and I think we compete, compete really well in some periods. I think we were better. So nothing to separate Aston Villa and Chelsea on Friday night then. An entertaining game for a nil-nil. It means they'll have to try again at Villa Park to see who goes through to round five. Simon, you and I were both there. Maybe you noticed Levi Colwell pulling up lame in the warm-up. A late readjustment, therefore. We're told that it's not something to be seriously concerned about with Colwell. Yeah, Pochettino was, was asked post-match Sunday and, and he downplayed it. But I think what the um, the alarm bells that will be ringing among the fan base is that Pochettino is always sort of seems to sort of say, oh, yes, he's coming back or, oh, it wasn't too bad or <laughs> he's continuing his rehabilitation. No, no, that's the app. And then they proceed to be a lot worse than first bit. To be fair, when he went off, he, he didn't look, you know, like happy-go-lucky, but it wasn't like he was being stretched off either. So hopefully it is only minor, but you have to say he, he must be a doubt for the Liverpool game already. So that meant, Liam, that Alfie Gilchrist came into the lineup, and he and Benoit Badia-Shiel were the full-backs. Uh, the obvious consequence of that, right, was that there was less attacking threat than we saw against Middlesbrough on Tuesday. But uh, how do you think Gilchrist and Badia-Shield did overall? Yeah, I think they did well. I don't think Badia-Shield has ever played at left-back before, in his professional career at least. The majority of Gilchrist's senior minutes have come at right-back, even though he's a centre-back by trade. And I thought defensively they held up pretty well. The problem, as we've spoken about before, is that when you have that four centre-back alignment, you get almost nothing going forward in the full-back positions in terms of creating those overloads. Players for for Palmer and for Raheem Sterling to combine with in those high and wide areas. Noni Madueki as well. And it, it just makes it so much harder to, to create against teams, particularly against good, really well-coached teams, as Aston Villa clearly are. Uh, the fact that Villa played a high line, I think, made it a little bit easier for Chelsea to still create some good chances against them. Where you feel that lack of fullback thrust more is against teams in a low block, but it still didn't help Chelsea in this one and was probably part of the reason why it ended goalless. Yeah, I, I asked um, Pochettino about Alfie Gilchrist after the game, just in case. It was a rare moment where I didn't end up writing a piece. The Athletic decided that I didn't want any more from me. Uh, they'd heard enough, probably like most of your listeners. But I, I asked about him anyway, just in case, and, and we sure we'll do it now for Gilchrist piece soon. And he talks about just how impressed he was with how Alfie responded to being told he was playing it, and and at the last minute. And I sort of said, you know, does that make you trust him more in the future, that, that the fact that he could handle that situation and then go and play the way the way he did? I mean, Liam's right, he, he's not the most attacking of full-backs that you'll ever see, but but it's early days. There was one nice bit where he he took the ball, sort of started to, to run out of the defensive position, sort of ran into the middle of the pitch, then put a nice ball over the top. I think it's for Sterling, um, which was a 
a nice bit of play which sort of showed that he has got something in his locker going forward. But um, overall, I don't think anyone can have any complaints about Gilchrist's performance um, given, uh, what was it, was that his second start or third start? I'm trying to think. Second, he started against Preston, didn't he? In the pre- yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, second start. And um, yeah, so far, so good. I mean, it's it's been a brilliant start to the year for him. And um, yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's a really good sign that there's an academy player that, that's getting some minutes. Yeah, and he's shown the versatility to his game because he didn't even need to do a Bosch in this match. Um, elsewhere, Liam, Madweke and Gallagher also came in. David Ornstein reporting uh, in The Athletic on Monday that, that Gallagher still might leave before the transfer deadline. Uh, the Madweke one's interesting, though, isn't it? Because it allows me to seamlessly link to your piece about Mikhailo Mudrik in his first year at Chelsea. Is this the proof on, on Friday that Madweke is now above him in the pecking order? I think he is, and I think he should be in terms of what we've seen. He has a better idea of how to play within Mauricio Pochettino's system than Mudrick does. That was the the thrust of the analysis piece that I've got on The Athletic at the moment about Mudrick, is that more than a year into his Chelsea career, he's still doing some, some basic things wrong, at least when it comes to the requirements for a high-level Premier League winger and a winger in a team like this, uh, where to go, where to be, when to take risks, when to not take risks. Now, Madueke is very direct, but he's he's direct in the final third. He's good at pressing. He can link with his teammates in those wide areas. His end product is spotty, and that's why I think in Chelsea's best team, I think you would have... Palmer, Sterling and Kunku all ahead of him in the attacking pecking order, however you arrange those forward positions. But he's probably ahead of Madrid just because as as raw as he is, he's a bit more polished than Madrid is right now. I just joked with the the people around me on on, uh, Friday night that it feels like when one gets a start, that they sort of fluff their lines a bit. And that leads to the other one then starting and then they don't look that good and, and vice versa. I mean, I like Medwecki. He needs to sort of vary his, play, his dribbles a bit, understandably being left-footed, playing on the right-hand side. He does he does like doing the Iron Robin on a regular basis without anywhere near the same amount of threat as Iron Robin managed in his career. He needs to get to the byline a lot more and cross with his right foot, something that he's been working on with his with his skills coach whenever they get the opportunity. But um but yeah, I'd say neither neither of them uh, are sort of have taken their opportunities a hundred percent each time they've played and you wonder just how much Pochettino trusts either of them. And like Liam says, if everyone's fully fit, I think they'd both struggle to get in the first eleven. I talk about taking opportunities and, and earning the manager's trust, Simon. Armando Breuer on the bench for this one. And that made me wonder if we know Chelsea are willing to listen to offers, but maybe Maurizio Pochettino's seen enough. And then I read the quotes uh, from your piece on Friday from the Chelsea manager. It's the process, a matter of time. We can provide the time. He's going to need to be good and not so good. There'll be positive things and mistakes. There'll be good performances and not so good performances. He then goes on to compare him to Harry Kane. Uh, But do you think that Pochettino's convinced by Breuer? Because if he was, he'd, he'd be starting with Jackson away, wouldn't he? 
Yeah, I think it's one of those actions speak louder than words. And this was the first time that Pochettino had really spoken about Broya's future since, well, for example, David Ornstein's newsline about about Chelsea listening to offers £50 million. And he, he kind of dismissed it. Oh, these are just rumours, rumours. It's like, well, don't think people report on just rumours. It's usually some substance behind it. And, you know, Chelsea may value him at £50 million, but they don't treat him as a £50 million player. He's not completed 90 minutes once yet. You could you could certainly argue he doesn't deserve to sometimes. And he certainly didn't do himself any favours with his lack of impact off the bench on Friday night. The one moment that really sticks in your mind is is when he was play he had a sort of good chance to run onto a ball and he kind of kicked it out of play. Kind of reminded me of my control when I was when I was younger. And he, he does he does look completely short of confidence. Whether all the stories of, of Chelsea willing to listen to, to offers has, has got into his head. That was another thing Pochettino went on to say. He sort of said, look, if you can't handle it, you know, this is life at Chelsea. You've got to expect criticism all the time and scrutiny. That's life at a big club. You can't just expect all the good things that, that the money, the the fame, the sort of the the kudos that comes to playing with Chelsea. You've also got to take the bad things. And and at the moment, it does look like Bray is really struggling. And therefore, whilst there are some clubs interested, you do wonder whether they're interested enough to pay what Chelsea are looking for because, um, yeah, he doesn't look a £50 million player at the moment, that's for sure. No, and we caveat this with the fact that he's still working his way back after a serious injury, but we also got to look at the fact that the last time he scored in successive games was in October 2021, so maybe he's just not a prolific goal scorer. Uh, Liam, you wouldn't say the same for Callum Wilson, been linked with Chelsea. Eddie Howe seemed to rebuff that over the weekend. I mean, if he's available, that seems like a total no-brainer to me. What would rule that out of contention over the Newcastle not wanting to do business? Is, is his age a, a negative factor in Chelsea's mind or his injury record? I don't think age is a complete barrier to Chelsea signing a player over the age of 23. We've seen that they've already made a couple of exceptions to that rule in the last two windows, Axel Dezassi being one, Christopher Nkunku as well. Um, so if it's the right player in the right circumstances, I think Chelsea are prepared to do a deal. Wilson does have other red flags, as you mentioned, serious injuries in his past. Chelsea already have a few of those <laughs> and are dealing with the, the legacy of that. So I, I'm not sure how keen they'd be to to add another player who's who's potentially got physical vulnerabilities, shall we say. He is Premier League proven. He's a very composed finisher. Very, He would be, I think, the most reliable finisher at Chelsea if he came. But I, I suspect that Chelsea probably need to sell Breuer uh, for a good price if they're going to do anything in terms of bringing in a new attacker. And if they are going to bring in a new attacker, I suspect they might want to keep their powder dry in January with a view to doing something bigger and maybe more ambitious in the summer. That's just my my reading of the situation as it stands. But Wilson would be a kind of more pragmatic, shorter-term upgrade. But the other part of that is 
I don't know. Is he going to move move the needle that much in terms of saving the Premier League season? Maybe you're just better off waiting six months and going for a player that you're higher on. Yeah, it, it seems that Duran, the Aston Villa player, is is sort of ticks more the boxes of of what Chelsea do. His age, the fact that he's a player of potential, not the finished article, and the fact that he's injured, it just <laughs> just ticks all the boxes that Chelsea look for in a signing. Although speaking to my colleague uh, at the game Friday night, Aston, who reports in Aston Villa, Jacob Tanswell, he was uh, warning Chelsea off it. <laughs> Let's just put it politely, he's a bit of a character, would be the politest way of, of um, explaining what he's like. But I think he even, I think he even tweeted, Jacob was saying, or, or there was Instagram where that night where he was already flirting with Chelsea in some way, Blue Hearts or something, he was telling me. He congratulated Myra Ramirez on signing for Chelsea Women. Oh, there we go. Hearts. There we go. So he's already a Chelsea player, let's be honest, and uh, it's certainly in his mind. <laughs> so, a way to endear yourself to um, the fan base of the uh, the club you're still playing for. But that's one to watch um, this week if if something happens with Broya. All right. Sounds like Duran's hungry like the wolf to come to Chelsea, oh. but we'll wait and see. With Wilson, Lucy's quite rightly shaking her head there. Uh, you'll notice, listener, we're not talking much about what happened in the actual match. That's because really there's not that much to talk about. But one thing you put in your briefing, Simon, was around Moises Caicedo and, and a bit of improvement in him that you've noticed in recent games. Yeah, I just think he's he's been a lot more prominent. That's not to sort of say that he's looking like a 100, 100 million plus 15 million in add-ons kind of player, but... Um, I think there are signs of improvement. So he certainly covered a lot more of the pitch to the naked eye. He just seemed to be far more noticeable compared to his uh, games of a few months ago. I do think there's signs of progress, a sort of uh, 7 out of 10 kind of performance. Yeah, nothing to get too excited about, but reasons to be positive. And if Fernandez is showing a few more signs of life, then... That can only be a good thing that the, the two of them, who've come under rightful scrutiny this season, given they're the two most expensive players, it's good to see that they're sort of showing some kind of form. I mean, the game itself was it was basically like watching the league game, wasn't it, in September? And that was decided by by a sort of, not a freak goal, but a, just one moment where it went a team's way. Noticeably, Chelsea tied in the last 20 minutes. They played Tuesday night. Aston Villa had 12 days off. I think that sort of played a part in the in the way the game finished. But I think overall it ended up being a fair result. Chelsea were the better side, I thought, for, for a good hour. But Aston Villa deserved a replay given the way they finished the game the stronger. And going back to the Petrovic uh, theme at the top, I think he pulled off the save of the night, didn't he? That, that save from Cash was was absolutely superb and, and did bring back memories of Sanchez against Aston Villa. Like That's what you keep us there for, to pull off the save that ensures you don't lose the game. And Petrovic did his job, Sanchez didn't. Yeah, um, going to be really interesting to see when Sanchez comes back, if Petrovic retains his place. He's not doing anything to lose it at the moment, that's for sure. Uh, so it is Leeds or Plymouth at home if Chelsea win the replay. Get ready for all the 1970s revival pieces coming your way. If it is Leeds, uh, the replay we are expecting to be on the 7th of February. That's not confirmed yet, but that's the most likely date. 
there is another midweek match coming up. Chelsea head to Merseyside on Wednesday. That's what we'll focus on next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Right, Simon has written a piece for The Athletic on how Chelsea will endure the backlash of Jurgen Klopp's impending exit from Liverpool, but might benefit from it in the long run. Uh, Tell us more, Simon. Yeah, I mean, I was given the call from the desk on Friday after the national morning news of Jurgen Klopp's uh, resignation. And they wanted um, a Chelsea take on it. And Klopp and Chelsea have, uh, well, he's been the real nemesis for Chelsea ever since he arrived. Um, As I say in the piece, Chelsea have only finished above Liverpool once since he turned up. And that was when they won the title. He's had a huge impact on Liverpool and, and that's why there's so many pieces and so many so much chat about him. I think the time of his announcement is terrible for Chelsea. For starters, the league game on Wednesday night would be the first league game, obviously, since that announcement. We already saw the emotion uh, for the Norwich match in the FA Cup, but I think at Chelsea, with all the, the spice between the clubs, that will bring out even more, let's just say, desire to win from his players I think and from the fans and then of course the League Cup final which could be Klopp's last chance to win a trophy at Wembley so it it feels like the script's being written a bit but make no mistake Chelsea will be absolutely delighted that Liverpool are going to be weakened in the long run with Klopp going yes there's talk of all kinds of managers coming in already but the uncertainty of Klopp's departure, what impact that has on the dressing room. He was immense in the in the transfer market. As I say in the piece, it was because of him that Chelsea lost out on Van Dijk and Allison. You put those two players in, in Chelsea over the last six years and what a difference that would have made. So, yeah, I, I, I do think this is an opportunity. Chelsea will see this as an opportunity, like a lot of clubs at the top of the table, so hopefully capitalise on Liverpool being weakened by losing one of the best managers in their history. Fingers crossed in the long run. What about Wednesday then, Liam? Chelsea have lost five of their last six away games. How on earth are they going to stop it being six from seven here? Are you, are you bringing Royer and, say, Chilwell back in maybe? I think they will need Chilwell's legs, given the pace that Liverpool typically play at, particularly at Anfield. Chelsea are going to have to weather a storm at some point in the game and maybe for long stretches of the game. And then in terms of the forward line, maybe you would benefit from having Breuer up front, at least from the start, just for kind of nuisance value, a bit of physical presence. Although we have seen Virgil van Dijk kind of handily handle (laughs) players like that at times and, and effectively take them out of the game. Maybe a false nine like... Cole Palmer and his intelligent use of space might ask more questions of the Liverpool defence. But I think one thing Chelsea do need, whatever the team that Pochettino picks, they they really need speed in that front line because we know the, the high line that Liverpool play with. We know they like to press. 
there will be opportunities. If Chelsea can get the timing right on those passes, there will be opportunities to spring Liverpool's offside trap and get running at them. And if they can do that, you know, that that lends itself to to Sterling, perhaps even to the chaos factor of Mudrick, if he's having a good day. You know, his debut at Anfield was superb. Liverpool don't have the 42-year-old James Milner anymore at right back, but there still may be opportunities for Madrid to impact that game and he will be fresh at least. And you would think itching to prove a point. Reasons to be positive, uh, part 38. Seven successive draws, if you include the penalty shootout defeats in the cup finals against Liverpool. So, so Chelsea actually have, you know, despite not being as good as they once were, have, have managed to raise their game against Liverpool. And, and and all those games, I mean, there's quite a few of those that Chelsea should have won, including last year at Anfield. But doesn't that highlight, just highlight how the two clubs have gone their separate ways since that draw 12 months ago? Both clubs were, I think, basically around the same position, same amount of points when they played out that, that draw. And since then, Liverpool went on to qualify for the Europa League, now competing on all four fronts, um, whereas Chelsea are, are still trying to find their way. So I think, again, that comes down to, you have to say, that the clock factor, the big difference between the two. And don't forget, Chelsea wanted Klopp on more than one occasion. Roman Abramovich was a, was a big, big admirer, really wanted to, to appoint him a couple of times at least. But Klopp was put off by the hiring and firing record. It was one of the reasons why he didn't want to go there. Whereas Liverpool was a club where he felt that he would be given the time to to build them into into what he wanted. And he, and he's had the opportunity to rebuild that side a couple of times. And yes, we can all talk about the hiring and firing record working for Chelsea. And there are tweets going around about how Chelsea won, I think, pretty much the same amount of trophies as Klopp has done in in that same period. But it is also a sign of how sticking with a manager can pay off. Speaking of Klopp, this is actually a big game for Moises Caicedo as well, because <laughs> this is a good opportunity for him to show that maybe, as Klopp claimed a couple of months ago, things didn't work out so swimmingly for Liverpool when they missed out on, on Caicedo. You know, he, Klopp had a little bit of a dig, uh, I think, at the way things played out over that summer particularly when Caicedo was struggling in, in the early weeks of his Chelsea career. But as Simon's written, I think he's really turned that around. He's looking very good now at the base of Chelsea's midfield. And this will be a big occasion for him to show just why Liverpool were prepared to go so big for him and, and ultimately push Chelsea about £25 million above their initial valuation to get him over the line. Well, if Caicedo can help Chelsea to a positive result, then you've got to think that there's a chance that the Blues could maybe qualify for Europe through the league. Just looking at the teams above them, Man United, Brighton, West Ham, none of them in particularly fine fettle at the moment, but getting something from Anfield is uh, not as easy as all that. Whatever happens, we'll report back on it in our pod later in the week. Charles James oh, spectacular what a goal that is oh wow here's the latest Chelsea corner Loy Poles and headed in by Kirby Lauren
Cameron James. Oh, brilliant. She's at it again. She slammed it home to make it 3-0. Lauren James is magic. She doesn't wear a magic hat during matches because that's prohibited under the laws of the game and would be cumbersome. But metaphorically, we must assume it's there. Uh, what I'm trying to say is that Chelsea won 3-0 at Brighton in the WSL on Saturday night. James scored two more brilliant goals with super Frank Kirby nodding an acute header in between. It means Chelsea still three points clear of Arsenal and Manchester City after they both won. Simon, Sam who? Those finishes from James <laughs> are absolutely... The first one in particular just makes you go, oh. Yeah, because that is really tough finish. You know, first time, you know, swivel, ball not exactly in front of you, sort of having to, to guide it. But there, there wasn't even a moment's hesitation. Found the top corner, just sublime. Um, she's an absolute joy to watch and full of confidence right now. The, the only question mark about Lauren James is... Her discipline that that will constantly um because of what happened at the World Cup and then was it against Arsenal? I'm trying to remember not long after. That's the only sort of question. But in a way, in a way, I think players need a little bit of that. It's just a, a very fine line, and she crossed it a couple of times. But getting back to the form she's in, just showing why Chelsea gave her a new contract and, and made her one of the best played players in the WSL because yeah, she's she's absolute gold, and Chelsea are going to be relying on her massively to get over the line without Sam Kerr. Yeah, although uh, Myra Ramirez did come off the bench to make her debut in this game, as did Aggie Beaver Jones, who's extended her Chelsea contract to twenty twenty six. We've seen some brilliant flashes from her this season. She's proper Chelsea as well. Her granddad used to have a season ticket at Stamford Bridge. The Blues wrap up their Champions League group stage campaign away to Paris FC on Tuesday. They've already won the group. Uh, the men's under-21s continue their fine form. They beat Reading 3-2 at Kings Meadow on Saturday. Jimmy J. Morgan got a hat-trick as Mark Robinson's team picked up their third win in a row. And congratulations to Simon, whose visit to see Harvey Vale last week counts as an assist, I think, for the goal that he scored past fellow Chelsea Loney, Jamie Cumming in Bristol Rovers win against Oxford on Saturday. Was that the little pep talk you gave him, Simon, that, that made the difference, you think? Well, it didn't work the first time because uh, they lost <laughs> the game after. Well, they lost the game two games in a row after I chatted to him. But I, it, it was a delayed reaction. Just, just I think once he read the piece and some of my fine pros, he, he, he was inspired. And uh, no, but it's, it was great. It's great for him to, to get another goal. And um, noticeably how high up he was again in the pitch to actually score that goal. It, it came from sort of having watched the replay of the goal. He actually laid it off for the shot that the keeper saved, and then he ran in and scored from the rebound. So coming save. So just shows that perhaps if he's played further forward where he actually wants to be, his numbers will only get better. Yeah, he certainly did his manager a favour. Bristol Rovers had lost four on the bounce and hadn't won all year before that. So well done to Harvey. All right, I think that's just about going to do us for today's pod. Liam, you've got no power. How much percentage have you got on your laptop battery, please? We are down to 12%. Okay, well, that's pretty good because we started on 19. So um, a big boost for Apple there, I think. Yeah, I've been impressed with the MacBook Pro's battery power saving mode. <laughs> that's been the big big star of this podcast. I've just had a message from Dom now, Liam. He wants you to write a 3,000 word on the transfer window, so you better start <laughs> typing. 
I think I might have to handwrite it <laughs> by candlelight. Uh, if that piece does go up, it'll be on the athletic, athletic.com slash Chelsea pod, the place to go to sign up, follow all of Simon and Liam's excellent work and all the other great stuff on the website as well. We'll be back with you later in the week when we'll break down what happened in the Liverpool game and any transfer madness that occurred as well. Until then, thanks to Lucy, to Simon, to Liam and to you for listening. Bye for now. The Athletic.